Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. And today we are welcoming one of our own here from CJSF, Charlotte Sista C. Farrell. We're very excited to have her here with us on an International Women's Day. You're representing for all of us, Sister C. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and you, you represent the international part yes. of International Women's Day. That's true. Yeah, from across the border. So Sister C um, calls herself the Creative Health and Happiness Ambassador. I like that title. It's a big title. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us what that means to you. Well, I scrapped all those other professional, (laughs) serious titles because I do... In everything that I do, in some way or the other, I bring happiness. And then I work with people in poetry to write poems that radiate love and happiness. And I thought, that's what I do. So I'll just deign myself the ambassador of health and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, so... your, have you used a title like that before? Like, or did you come up with it because we said, could you please come up with it? No, well, I've been using it. In fact, I went to a, a work development, you know, a workshop that they had on improving your resume. And I had put that as a change in my position title from health specialist and all those other things. And and said, well, I'm not sure people will know what a health and happiness ambassador is. And I said, but you know what? That's how I'd like for them to think of me. because well, It starts a conversation, <laughs> doesn't it? Yes. And that's what I, I, I represent. So I can do very serious things. But the workplace can be so toxic. And one of the things I believe is that we work better and we feel better and we're healthier if we have happiness. So that's one mm. of the things I bring to the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's always been part of your life like as a theme of your life or was there a time when you kind of woke up to this oh it's (laughs) (laughs) I'm open to it because I had a very serious part of my career I worked uh, I worked in public health in the United States and then I came to Canada and was landed in Toronto, and I worked for the health department. And I, all of the creative little poems and things I wrote in childhood, it got transformed into more bureaucratic, uh, precise health teachings, you know, procedures and uh, press releases. So they were not so much. Uh, oriented around happiness as around outcome. Everything was outcome. What's the outcome? But the best outcome is going to be happiness. Um, You just kind of dived right in where I was thinking I wanted to go next with you because I've had enough just glean just a little bit through conversations that I've had with you so far to know that your life has been epic. And I'm wondering if you could give us like chapter highlights, what would you call the chapters? (laughs) Childhood in Parsons. I, um, my father, was called off to the war when I was still a baby. My mother moved back to Parsons, Kansas. I would have been born in Washington, but I grew up then five years with my grandparents, mm. and I'm just coming as an adult to realize they had uh, a diversified income because mm-hmm. my grandmother had chickens. Yeah. 
<laughs> they raised eight children in a house, <laughs> and uh, pretty much everyone had some type of education, but they had very humble beginnings. But they, she baked pies. People came to the house on Tuesday, and so now I'm realizing we weren't eating all those pies, so she must have been selling the pies. Uh, she still had 12 chickens, so that really gave me kind of a foundation for uh, she taught me to cook when I was two. The profession that I went into was nutrition. Uh, mm-hmm. I lived in Kansas the, the teenage years. I worked part-time, and I was the oldest child. So being the oldest child was like being a parent. Yeah. I had these mm-hmm. four brothers and sisters, and I learned a lot about responsibility. Mm-hmm. But also, I didn't have a lot of fun. <laughs> so right. mm-hmm. uh, at the point that... Um, I got tired of being in in uh, Kansas. It didn't have as many exploratory, adventurous things. I went to Wayne State. My college year started off with me being almost every day, someone telling me I was the first black or the only black. And I got tired of hearing that. You know, But I was in the drama club. I played basketball. I did all these things because I kept trying to demonstrate I was the best. And then I thought, I don't feel like doing this. And I went to Detroit and... Uh, that chapter of my life was really much involved in being a part of the black movement. I've been a part of the civil rights movement when I was a child, but being part of getting the, a group that worked peacefully to get a black mm. studies program at Wayne State University. Mm. So it's involved in a lot of the cultural nat- nationalism where we dressed in African clothing, mm. had a, my hair in a natural hairstyle, mm-hmm. um, and began to do some different writing. I, I was doing some uh, health writing, but I also started doing some poetry, more creative arts, and being a part of the jazz community mm-hmm. in oh, Detroit. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I also, that was part of my married years yeah. uh, because I married another person that was going to uh, Wayne State and that was very much involved in not only black student movement, but the community movement to just uh, help people move forward you know there was a big misunderstanding of what the black movement was about and I think you know J. Edgar Hoover started this program Cointel program where it really came against the people that were working to bring about change and so I lived through uh, the heartbreak in in Detroit of seeing how someone could really create a program that could be about people being you know drugs guns being (laughs) dumped into the community Mm -hmm. and to the point that uh, it just wasn't safe to be in the, the, the community. Uh, 71 New Year's Eve, they said that more people were killed in Detroit than in Belfast. Mm. And so there mm-hmm. was the heartbreak of knowing what a loving community it had been mm-hmm. and how through the effort to break apart the economic development and kind of love that was developing among black people there, how that actually worked, that somebody could have a scheme that would actually work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my next... <laughs> a scheme of sabotage. Next, right? next yeah. chapter? My next chapter mm-hmm. was trans moving to Canada. Amazing. Um, so you moved to Canada from Detroit. From Detroit. And that was Which is not Toronto. that far away. That was in seven, yeah, 72. My former husband and I, my, we... America, under the last crazy president, um, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> under 
Nixon, Nixon came in and he really took a lot of programs that had been for community development and embargoed the funds. And so, again, having worked from both a campus standpoint and a professional standpoint, having worked to bring about economic development, he embargoed funds that had been earmarked for Detroit to help rebuild Detroit. And it's just being able to see how that scheme was working. It was heartbreaking. And uh, at the time, uh, the pre- former elder Trudeau <laughs> was mm-hmm. welcoming people and welcoming people with ideas mm-hmm. to come to Canada. And mm-hmm. so you had so many points. We scored the number of points uh, to come, and we didn't want our child to be born there. So my first child was born in Toronto in Women's College Hospital. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> and with, uh, I've been there. Dr. Uh, Marjorie Moore was looking for a doctor uh, who welcomed fathers into the delivery room. And that was unheard of at that time, right? But except that Dr. Marjorie Moore and Women's College Hospital Mm -hmm. was one of the welcoming hospitals. So to be there at that time um, was wonderful. And then there was another doctor who had a column for uh, teenagers, a sex column, uh, and she was at University of Toronto. And I went for a well another great thing Canada had. I went for a well women's exam. I don't know whether they still do it, but at the time, anybody born, anybody who had a child was visited by the public health department. A nurse would come out, and then they would make a referral. Mm -hmm. And so here, new to Canada, we had this referral. I met um, Dr. Moore, and she asked me what I was doing, and I told her, well, I'd been a nutritionist in the States, but, you know, when I applied... I wasn't getting anything here. And she wrote a note for me to take to the head of one of the departments, and I got hired, hired you know, part-time nice. to work Fantastic. in uh, nutrition. And so that started uh, another era. I like it. Another yeah. chapter. Another, another <laughs> chapter with child. With child in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Doing your nutrition work. Yes. Yeah. 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 Any more chapters? I feel like there's more chapters. There's oh, yes, more. there's more chapters. Yeah. Yeah. That was about four chapters rolled into one. Exactly. Well, and I, and I was I was taking some notes here. And um, I, I'm by inviting you to share these chapters, it's not a, and, and then we're going to close them and move on. I'm sure we're going to come and revisit this because there's yeah. themes that are showing up mm-hmm. through all of this. So I'm tracking you. All right. And I've noticed <laughs> that uh, one of the themes that's coming up here, even from, from very small childhood, is nourishment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actual nourishment levels. of food, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> right, but also soul nourishment. You know, when you speak of the activist work that you were, activism that you were engaged in, and the reclamation and and declaration of identity, yes. as well as working on the rights, right? I mean, without base, mm-hmm. without these rights, equal access to these human rights, it's a wound on the soul that will not be healed, right? It's it's a constant. Yeah. <laughs> yes, one of the things that bothers me very much, Conflict and Creed and Reality, and that was a book that we had to read. Mm. What was it called? The Conflicts in Creed and Reality. Oh, I'm going to look I that up. I need to go and looking for that one. And, you know, I think I, when I was in college, I had to write a paper about it. And when these mm-hmm. people came into the government and started embargoing funds, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, many places there was this crisis of, uh, we say this, this creed that all men are created equal, but yet we still have got to fight for a black studies program at a college. Mm-hmm. You know, we say that things are, are we all created equal, and there were big pockets uh, 
where people were not getting equal health insurance. No. I worked on a program. It was the Mayor's Committee to uh, End Poverty, and Vernon Jordan, who was a legendary person in uh, the civil rights movement, he was a teacher of community development, and he was hired by the Detroit Health Department to come in, and he told us, your job is to <laughs> is to work yourself out of a job, and so half the people at the staff, you know, thought he can just go back to wherever he came from, but I really enjoyed, and that built something, you know, into me, because he was working on the creed and the reality. You've had the opportunity to have an education. If you teach other people how to look after their health, if you teach uh, community educators, if you can help them to transform from being an assistant or an aide to having your profession, you can move forward. There's still more places oh, to move. Plenty of places, yes. And yeah. uh, that was something that I think I valued mm-hmm. in Canada. One of the promises at the age where they were welcoming people with ideas and with mm-hmm. creativity, they're saying we have all this land <laughs> mm-hmm. and we don't have enough people and we're welcoming people to come in from around the world who can help build this country. So mm-hmm. that really appealed to me. And um, it's a little troubling, you know, that the climate has changed a little bit, but just mm-hmm. that happiness and self-respect. So I think one of the appreciations of a creed and reality, when you look at the Mandela for the United Nations around health, health is a right. When you look at the Mandela for Canada, health is a right. Health is not built in yet as a right in the United States. So even though mm. I worked with a lot of people with advocacy mm-hmm. to try and make health a right, it's still a part of the broken of the system. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing that I hope doesn't get lost in the system here because if you look at health as being a right, people can be happy. They have a right to happiness. They have a right to feel whole. And we have that obligation as we learn things to take, you know, be happy (laughs) about helping somebody else to uh, to do it, and also happy about helping people to elevate, elevate their knowledge, like you're doing with the radio show, mm-hmm. like the college is doing, to be always elevating people because um, there isn't a shortage. There is plenty. We've got plenty of land, and we yeah. just need to use our resources differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those of you just joining us, um, we have Charlotte Sister C. Farrell. Farrell in the studio with us today, and we're, uh, as International Women's Day, we are celebrating an international woman and, <laughs> and getting to know all her her story. Uh, we're not going to get all of it because it's only an hour, but we're having, we're dipping in here. Mm. Um, really interesting Toronto at that time that you arrived there. Um, not quite the same now as it was then, yes. but... Um, has advanced in some areas and and not in others, but you were there for to witness a lot of the changes. Yes. How how long did you live in Toronto? About twenty years. I worked ten years in the Toronto Health Department. I worked about ten years with University of Toronto doing uh, research on nutrition and family planning. Did, documenting that if you had nutritionists within family planning, it could deal with PMS, it could deal with helping people to plan for having a healthy baby. And then within the the health department, originally I was hired into the health advocacy unit. And we were supposed to be a thorn in the side of the main health department and to transfer them from having... uh, 
being overly bureaucratic. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, I was working there doing when the AIDS epidemic broke out, and the medical officer of health deputized. He had 500 people and 2 million people that we were responsible for. And we had a button that said, ask me about healthy sex. (laughs) (laughs) And he he (laughs) said he told the guards, don't let anybody in. If you didn't come to work wearing that button, you know, don't let them in. And... uh, I had the opportunity to learn how to move from having a career that had mostly been around nutrition to expand over into understanding how to talk with people about sexuality, Mm -hmm. how to talk about uh, the the HIV epidemic. I had an experience with radio there, and just remembering. Oh, nice! It's your nascent experience in it. We. were on the radio. It was really very creative because we had uh, the head of the advocacy unit let us really play with and explore different ways of taking messages to the people. So we were in nightclubs. We had hats. We had uh, (laughs) tables that had the DJ lights around it. And we had condoms, and we found if you put it in the dark side where people yeah, could yeah, look yeah. like they were stealing them, they would come and steal it. We learned that lots <laughs> oh, of that people, is so great. Lots of people's friends, people's friends had problems with things like chlamydia. People's friends oh, yeah. right. had oh, yes. a practice like that. Right. So we gave out lots of information to friends, and then uh, we were involved in the Carabana Festival. So I really loved that phase of working in the health department and being able to do a lot of creative things and and work with a team because it was very much around at the idea that a team can do more so if you had a team around a project but um something that shifted me into another area i was on my way back to the health department one day when it was minus 26 celsius <laughs> oh, it can get cold yeah and i had done a workshop at a high school on stress and a stressed out woman hit my car, knocked Mm. me to the side of the the freeway, Mm. and I ended up with a brain hematoma and a spinal bruise. And I could not take the cold in my back. Mm. So um, that connected to me to something that's an issue now around uh, how medical, the medical system is set up to prescribe people opiates and prescribe people Mm. things that disrupt all kinds of systems Mm -hmm. and I found I wasn't getting well and I knew a chiropractor this chiropractor in Toronto Dr. Don Fitzritson and he was using uh, healing touch and some other modalities and so I could not get well though with the cold in my back so Mm -hmm. after a year I went to Los Angeles (laughs) <laughs> where I had uh, a fairy gather, godmother who was an actress, and she had worked with a chi- chiropractor. She, Virginia Capers, uh, was the first black woman to win a Tony, mm. um, and, and she had fallen through a stage in New York. And this particular chiropractor had helped put her back back together, put her back on the. Uh, on her feet. And that was in the days when chiropractors were still considered to be quacks and, and people were a little reticent about them. They didn't know very much about them. Uh, they didn't think they were real right. doctors and that kind of thing. So this was this was still new, right? Yes, I even had a doctor, an orthopedic surgeon, who was telling me all of the stuff he was going to do to my back. Uh, and I said, no, I'm seeing a, a chiropractor that helped my And they kind of auntie. go, <gasps> And he said, quack, quack, quack. He actually yes, yes, went quacking. Yes, 
<laughs> there was no professional respect oh. in those days. Yeah. But I give every time that I have been hurt, it's really been chiropractors that have put me back onto my feet as an alternative to surgery. Yeah. But uh, so I ended up going back and forth uh, from Canada to the U.S. The um, Another very interesting program they had, the Ontario Marketing Department, had a program called Entre Amis, Between Friends. Mm. And so even though I was American with my landed Canadian hat mm-hmm. on, yep. I got chosen to be one of the small businesses to learn how to do business in the United States, how to clear things through customs, mm. how to oh, represent a product. Mm-hmm. So I represented uh, an Ugandan Canadian's artwork in Canada, and then I had some people. There were some people that had a cloth that would help uh, protect you from the the sun, and another company, Biomed, which had electronic muscle stimulation, that had been what the chiropractor helped use on my back. I had that. So in Toronto. So I represented them. So mm-hmm. I was going mm-hmm. back and forth. That was well, a, it seems uh, to me you're actually the perfect candidate for that, seeing as you're literally <laughs> going back and forth. <laughs> yes. You've got, I mean, you're, so far, your story of where you've been, you, your chapters have taken you all over the states because you, your, your mother was in Washington. Well, yes. You were born in Kansas, but yes. you got those Washington roots. Yes. And then we got Detroit <laughs> and then L.A. and then up to Toronto. And, of course, you're here with us in Vancouver right now. Well, actually, it was from Detroit to Canada. Right. Beca- yeah. And then I didn't I had never actually come gone to L.A. until I went for my my um, after I hurt my back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, heat I'm, seeking. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> heat seeking missile <laughs> heading back down to the States. Yeah. So what is the current chapter? Well, the current chapter, I'm going back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well, as I was, you know, living and working in L.A., I started to do poetry because from this head injury, the words would run around the page. So I could not do the level of work I did in health promotion. Mm-hmm. I used to write a package of stuff, health documents to go to uh, the papers, health documents to go to the council, mm-hmm. and it would make my head hurt. Mm-hmm. And so the first sentence that I wrote, even when I was still in the hospital, was, my work must be fun. And then... The first things that I was able to write were f- poems that were very cynical. And so the first things that I started, that was like the little bird <laughs> that, that God said to tell me the flood was over, that I started writing longer and longer poems. Like mm-hmm. And then I started to work with people out of the mainstream medical field. So there were some cancer researchers here and in the States that were looking at if you can give pain a, sh- a shape, and find a way to throw it out of your body. That's a way that you can relieve pain without pain medications. And so in practicing that, I saw then performing poems. When I do the poem in spoken word things and throw it, then I'm getting it out of my body. So a lot of my first poems were really angry. That book from pillows of, you know, tear-soaked pillows to pillars of strength. Uh, Before I published that book, first I had 36 poems, anger, then 30 (laughs) poems, grief, 30 poems, heartache, and the blues, one love, two hope, (laughs) uh, three faith. And so it took a a good amount of time to work through, but poetry was really a healing form. Mm -hmm. And so... That was one change that came about. And then being able to do poetry on the radio, as I did poetry, going to spoken words, sometimes people would come uh, 
to have us do poetry on the radio. And then um, I just still did not come to Canada during the winter months. November to May <laughs> almost would not find me here unless I just came over for a weekend and went back because I came once in May and there was a snowstorm still in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it's really just been in this past two years. My daughter moved back, um, got really fed up with the dwindling down of the school system in in uh, L.A. and remembering, you know, when she was here, mm-hmm. that math, science, some of those subjects were quite more accelerated. So mm-hmm. she moved uh, here with my um, but my grandson here and kept saying, Mom, why don't you come? And I said, they have rain and my back will lock. And uh, when I first came, it was about this time last year, and at UBC there was a big community conference, and it was on medical cannabis, and they were having a town hall meeting. Mm -hmm. And I was so shocked to hear public health doctors, medical doctors talk about the advocacy from the public had led to them starting to talk about research they've been doing for 10 or 15 years. And I thought, I had never even heard of it. I had actually been one of those people saying, oh, you just want to smoke marijuana. No, I'm not going to take it because it'll make me sleepy and blah, blah, blah. And I have found that through having CBD... The, yeah, the CBD oils. CBD yeah. oils. Yeah. I have been able to be out in the rain. I have been able to even be up here, come up in the snow, and my back hasn't locked. So I'm happy. <laughs> I mean, it's another source of happiness of finding right. that yeah. something that had been mm-hmm. so planted in my name. You know right. how you can have something so in your mind. I can't be in the rain. My back will right. lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... All it becomes the, like a truth, right? Yes, and then to have yeah. that truth, as you said, unlocked yes. and discover that there's an alternate reality you can experience. So mm-hmm. when you say going back to the future, now I'm back with the creative side. I'm mm-hmm. here doing radio. I'm yeah. working on I Love did it. poetry for, with the, with seniors. I did a four-week poetry class on loving yourself healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm loving being able to do creative arts, both having the, the melth, medical and health background of knowing how these things, the health side as well as the fun, creative side. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm excitedly on a new path. Well, I feel like you've brought some of your poetry, your live poetry, the one on the CD, and I feel like now is a moment to listen to, to okay. that. Does that feel okay to you? Yes. Ooh, excellent. Okay. So you uh, chose that you'd like to play Love Time Poetry Time, right? Yes. Would you like to tell us something about this before we listen to it or after? Maybe after. Okay. We're going to fire this up. And oh, it's gone to sleep. So give me a second here. We'll refire it. We're firing up. We're firing up the CD player. All right, here we go. Let's have a listen to this is Sister C. Uh, Love time, poetry time. Love time, poem time. Love time, poem time. Love time, poem time. Time for words from heaven to shine. Love time, poem time, time for words to pattern and rhyme. Love time, poem time, time for words to wash the wounds, bind the lashes and play bassoon. Love time, poem time, time for poems, poets and singers, time to untie Life's ringers, poem time, love time, 
time for you to reveal to me. Unravel all your mystery. Time for joy and utter grace. Rest from toiling in this place. Place of poems, place of words. Place for love instead of swords. Love time, poem time, poem time, love time. Love time, poem time, times for words from heaven to shine. Love time, poem time, time for words to pattern and rhyme. Love time, poem time, times for words to wash the wound, bind the lashes and play bassoon. Love time, poem time, poem time, love time. Time for poems, poets, singers, times to untie all life's ringers. Time for you to reveal to me, unravel all your mystery. Time for joy and utter grace, rest from toiling in this place. Place of poems, place of words, place for love instead of swords. Love time, poem time, poem time, love time, love time, poem time, poem time, love time, love time, poem time, poem time, love time, love time, poem time. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca and our guest today, Charlotte Sister C. Farrell. We just listened to one of her recordings, Love Time, Poetry Time. Um, before we dive back in, I'd actually like to just take a minute. Um, I want to do a land acknowledgement. Um, we do broadcast from unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. Um, and I'd like to m- hook in just a moment because there was something that you'd mentioned earlier, Sister C, when you were talking about how you came to Canada and how it was a welcoming time for you, which was a beautiful, wonderful experience. Um, and I noticed that what the message was from Canada was we have all this land, yes. <laughs> right? And of course, my brain is going, oh, and it's not our land. Yes. <laughs> yes. And here we are. I mean, and I love that it's created the opportunities for you and, and it has for, for me too. We're, we're all settlers here. And um, and it's time for us to be really owning that and to recognize that um, uh, that we need to be um, creating space for the original voices, the original uh, people of this land to be marshalling their resources and giving us their wisdom. And it's just, you know, it's an interesting thing that I understood what you were referring to. And I thought, oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's our history. Right. I love that it brought mm-hmm. you here. I love mm-hmm. that it's brought us together mm-hmm. and um, and onward and forward. Yes, yeah. that's something similar in the United States and Canada that mm-hmm. occupied other people's land, welcomed people mm-hmm. to it and then set up barriers to keep other people out. And it's not. Yes. It's not our land. It's, it's not, not our, our land. land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, related to what we just listened to, which was really fun, and I love this. Mm-hmm. I, as soon as I, as soon as we hit the end of that, and you said, and we didn't have you on air yet, you said, "What time is it?" <laughs> it's, it's, it's love time. It's poetry time. I loved the energy of that. If anybody was listening and you would like to find that, you would like to find the recording of that, and as well as other poems that Sister C has recorded, um, I've actually just tweeted a, li- a link out uh, on our Twitter account. You can find us at Essential Conv, that's Essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. It's available on on CD Baby. And so I sent the link to your specific. Uh, And so this is from Pillows to Pillars. Yes. And did you want to tell us more about that? 
Yes, I was going to say one great thing about uh, CD Baby is that it enables independent artists to mm. have a real, it's like a book, like a brick and mortars record store. Right. Um, and I have another CD there, cool. <laughs> which is Heartbound, just mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Love Time, Poem Time, I have sometimes written poems to myself. And so at a point of being frustrated, I thought, what time is it? It's love time. It's poem time. Mm-hmm. And each of the stanzas time to uh, use words, uh, play music instead of uh, play bassoon instead of opening moons. So I was kind of speaking to sometimes I'll have the feeling of meanness around me and I'll come home and I'll write a poem that's really speaking to it's time for poetry, it's time for love. So that's how that poem uh, particularly emerged. And at first, before it was with music, it was just words on paper. Uh, I was doing it at stand-up places, and then I ran into um, musicians, a very patient musician. Um, Gabriel Bribbs is playing the, the bass mm-hmm. <laughs> in there, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Cargill has a very clean, wonderful studio in L.A., uh, I've been in the studio at 3 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's doing drugs there. None of the imagery that they show of, like, studio, a woman in a studio being able to find a safe place. So he worked with teaching me how to produce my material. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to do more than 20, hour, 20 poems in a studio with different musicians. So mm. that's another what part of my collaboration. unwinding story. Now I'm finding mm-hmm. college students here and people to do music with because I've got some it. new poems so good yeah. there's uh, there's a you've done a lot of gutsy things like a lot of a lot of your life has been lived out there on a public stage i guess is what yes. i'm saying <laughs> um and you don't sound bashful about being out there yeah i i think there's a poem that i wrote um that i won a candy cane and when i was four or five, maybe four, at church. And I had this poem, it was, I'm my mama's little darling, don't you think I'm awfully sweet? And, <laughs> and I won, won it, so it took away some of the shyness. Uh, and then other times I've really been very introverted and had to push myself uh, to get out there. Mean yeah. people sometimes can say things. And, yeah. But uh, part of like our theme for today, you know, uh, standing up you know with your your w (laughs) and thinking about yourself during that period of time that i had the head injury i couldn't talk i wasn't able to read and there were some people that were not the nicest people not the most you know Mm -hmm. welcoming people Mm -hmm. but having uh virginia capers as a mentor as an actress Mm -hmm. she was the grandmother in um she was the person that was a speech coach for the show uh, Fresh Prince of Mm -hmm. Bel-Air. And then in the movie um, about oh, Tina Turner's movie, Mm -hmm. uh, she was the choir director that put her out of the choir. Oh, really? (laughs) And then a thing that really helped my memory, she had a group called Lafayette Players West. And Lafayette Players was a reflection of a group that had been in Harlem that was the Lafayette Players on the East Coast. And in order to be in her company, she ran it like Sammy Davis Jr. You had to sing, dance, and act. And I had this, another notion I had was that I couldn't keep tune. And so I would follow somebody. One day she said, she stopped playing. She'd play on the piano. And she said, you're out of tune. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person next to you. 
<laughs> that you're trying to follow. That you're trying to follow. <laughs> Interesting. So that built up my nerve to, in some of my poems, I'll sing or do a little bit of intonation. But she had that force of spirit. Uh, there was a point that she had to have a, she had an inoperable cancer, and it was around the ninth register. And um, she had to whisper. She had different treatments. And she, if you ever had anybody yell at you whispering? <laughs> I, I've done that. <laughs> yes, yes. And Mothers she, have done that. Yes. And so she helped me to remove what the neurologist had said, two years out, it's as good as it'll get. Well, two years out, I would take my kids someplace and be 15 minutes away and it would be, take me two hours to find where they were mm-hmm. so she was very much I don't care what they said if you want to be in this show you have to learn four poems and so I learned the four poems and I thought oh and then there's another guy in LA uh, Sunji Ali who had a group called the Frontline Poets and I wanted to be on the Frontline Poets and I wanted to be a featured poet same thing you have to memorize you have to come off the paper so I found Poetry also exercises your your memory, but also someone having a different expectation. And so that's why I think with happiness or with teaching people, I try and present the positive, that image that you can do more. It doesn't matter what people told you you could do. You can reach out and do more. Yeah. This is how we change things, right, from being an exception. Yes. Um, (laughs) So that means somebody's got to tell you something's not possible, and you've got to think, well, I'm an exception to that. I yes. am just an exception to that. Yeah. And then somebody else comes along and says, well, she was an exception, so maybe I can be an exception, and then things start to change. Yes. When they tell you that, you can just kind of look behind you. Oh, you're talking to somebody? <laughs> you're yeah. talking to me? Yeah, I mean, you must yeah. be talking to that guy back there. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yes. All of this absolutely beautiful and uplifting work that you've been doing in so many different ways, what fills you? How do you get filled? Uh, <laughs> I have these two little boys. They're my grandsons now. The second line, I call them. <laughs> and <laughs> they are very loving and very encouraging. And so um, seeing them make their way through and wanting to be there for them, that gives me uh, a determination. I'm, I'm viewing 102 because I thought, well, how will I have to be to see this one get married or that one get married or see him, you know, graduate and be a statesman or whatever they're going to be. And so they amuse me uh, as well as challenge me on different ways to present things to them because when I sometimes with the one that here that's 14, I'm very serious and terse about something. And they'll say, but Nana, why are you so upset? (laughs) And that makes me laugh at myself because I thought the way that people might have presented things to me when I was a child, he's not receptive to. But then sometimes two or three days later after I've had a conversation with him about something, when he comes back and he um, expresses, well, I'm not doing that anymore, or it gives me a smile, uh, that really, you know, is very fulfilling to me. Um, teaching is very fulfilling. I love teaching people things. Mm-hmm. And when somebody really says, I like that or I learned that, that is something that fills me. So what brought you to a radio station? Because it sounds, <laughs> from what you've said to me so far, it sounds like that fills you in a way also. Um, yes, we, well... 
uh, two things that also that fill me. One is uh, having spiritual practices that involve meditation and prayer mm -hmm. and having people that I can pray with. I do have some friends and family members that I can pray with, and that is very grounding and settling. Mm -hmm. Now, I also like to dance, mm -hmm. and being here in Vancouver, I don't know anybody in my age group to go out dancing with. And so, hey. Okay. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. She loves to dance. Party over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the end of July, I saw that there was going to be a Caribbean festival. And I knew the big festival in Toronto, but I'm here. So mm -hmm. my grandson and I took the, you know, went over and um, went to the festival. And there were these posters up around. And it said something about 2 to 4 o'clock, there was a Caribbean music hour. And I thought it was a place to go and dance. So I called the number, and I got... This radio station. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it was a show. So <laughs> I said, well, I'll just go up. And then <laughs> what was really engaging is that they were very welcoming. And it led me to that there was an orientation and it was in a couple of days. And so I came up. And just the fact that they offer, if you volunteer, that you could actually work toward having a show and I thought that is so wonderful because I've been involved in a lot of things where you volunteer and they give you a little certificate <laughs> and give you some candy <laughs> that I don't need any more of <laughs> uh, and so that's what you know really brought me back and just coming here and finding such a real inclusive atmosphere mm -hmm. and uh, then being able to plan the show mm -hmm. and you know, laugh with people like you. That mm -hmm. brought me back to radio. And it also, I, uh, one of the other things that I did at retirement age, I went to film school and learned to make films. And one of the things that was most challenging was the sound. You know, mm -hmm. they would just say, don't mess with the sound. Get a sound person. And here I'm learning <laughs> to edit and work right with on. the sound and to be more time conscious. So, Well, this fits in with your your legacy your practice of loving creative means of sharing joy and messages. And yes. happiness. Right? Yep. Yes. You're right in there again. Mm -hmm. I think you got a magnet. You got it's <laughs> like it's like the compass is always gonna lead you to another way. And also lifelong learning and so, um, lifelong teaching. What's yes. your what's your message now? What do you feel is what what do you feel drawn to create on air? Oh, on air. Actually, I keep hearing 7D. Sister C is 7D. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's seven dimensions of health. Oh. And because Ooh. so much they tell people, you know, they talk about the physical yeah. and food. Yeah. And yeah. there's so much other that works together. The spiritual. And I actually, what are I the talk seven Ds? What are they? Okay. It's the intellectual, mm -hmm. the physical, the mental the environmental, the emotional, what's the other two? Uh, did I say social? Spiritual. Spiritual. And financial. And I taught a course, and the, the, the person that had the book was the six Ds, but I thought they didn't have financial. But if you don't have finances, mm. you can't afford Super true. to Absolutely. do any of the others. So yeah. yep. I've integrated it. And I've just been thinking of a way to... When you have a slice, even though we might be emphasizing on one day some things that are from the physical, the environmental is so much a part of it. Yes. How to... So there's lots of overlap, right? Yes. How to share that overlap. Yeah. Yeah. 
This and the same as you were just saying with the financial. If you don't have the finances, then you can't take care of your health and you, you can't and buy that healthy food. Effect. People talk about superfoods and yeah. go buy an yeah, yeah. avocado cheap. Right? Oh God, yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, I'm, so I'm kind of working on how to make it fun and how to tell people what they can do. Mm-hmm. This. Yes, as opposed to what they can't do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially around, like when I, we worked in um, public health and we were working on the AIDS epidemic and, st- and we were on the hotline for sexually transmitted diseases and hotline for um, preventing HIV. It Everything we told people was so much to turn them totally off sex. I was just like, I'm oh, not yeah. having sex yes, for 20 yes, years after telling people this. Because it's too scary. We can't go there, right? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. with... with uh, being a baby boomer, there are also people that think people of a certain age shouldn't have sex. They just, you know. <laughs> and so being How able to say, foolish. what <laughs> can you do? Yeah. So that's why I'm really turning around in my head now, how to make it light. Uh, once I did a workshop for some people, and they said, you're so serious. Uh, how to make it light. Keep it joyful. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, it's yeah. funny because your message is actually around um, happiness and joy, but I mean, mm-hmm. you can be serious in in in, in equipping people around that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. we've got a couple more songs here. I think we're only going to have time to do one. Which one would you really like to listen to to heart share with of the my listeners? heart? This was a poem written to oh. a recalcitrant heart. Oh, so one of your pillows to pillars. Yes. Then. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to find that Okay, one. so tell us, tell us about that one a little bit while I find it. I actually think I wrote this poem to my, my heart because, you know, different things could happen. There's somebody that says you, you never really have a broken heart, that you should enjoy every love experience, and if it turns, goes south, still be happy for it. But anyhow, I wasn't feeling that. <laughs> you weren't there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was just calling after this heart asking, where are you? Mm. Okay, I've got it ready. Okay, heart of my heart. Heart of my heart. Heart of my heart. Are you there? Are you at home? Heart, have you gone deaf? Can't you hear his feelings groan? Heart of my heart, I think you're tone deaf. Music's playing and others are dancing, but you're all out of step. Heart of my heart, something's gone wrong. You beat and repeat, but it seems like no one's home. Heart of my heart, have you anything in store? Dinner served. But the kitchen has no more. Heart of my heart, what a passion and power. The lights are turned on, every switch. But it's been dark for an hour. Heart of my heart, for the love of God, wake up. Time's flying, people are dying, you've got to rev up. Heart of my heart, please come out of your shell. The war is over, shooting stopped. Seems like you can't tell. Heart of my heart, come and fly another way. The stars are all bright. Let's just let them show us a new day. Heart of my heart, don't wither with despair. We are 
Let's chase the sun. Let's just soar through the air. Central Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We are definitely here. Sometimes I'm a little more here than others. Um, <laughs> our guest today is Charlotte Sister C. Farrell, a creative health and happiness ambassador. We just listened to another uh, track from her CD, uh, From Pillows to Pillars, and this one was called Heart of My Heart. And you had some things you want to take this. You want to take this and run with it. Tell us some more. <laughs> well, I think I, I wrote that poem to my heart. And Right now, I'm at a point of working with people around feeling heartbreak. And essentially, I've come to realize you have to love yourself first. And that was just a little bit of a stepping stone of saying, you know, asking my heart, where are you? You know, uh, the war is over, so I don't have to be in war mode all the time. Uh, And so, but... In terms of work that I'm doing, I just finished doing a four-week writing, uh, poetry writing workshop at the 411 Senior Center, and they were so excited around a little simple activity we did with an acrostic poem where you find letters, for each letter of your name, you use a word, Mm -hmm. and encouraging people to write a kind word about themselves, like the word C, uh, they would think maybe critical, but no, charming cultured, loving words. Mm -hmm. And so I'm finding that as a work, as a way that I can combine both helping people to write a poem that they might want to publish or they might want to give someone as a gift, but also starting with yourself, that very few people write anything for themselves. And just seeing the transformation that it's had for me, because when I started to not write angry poems and write some love poems to myself, I thought, wow, I feel a hell of a lot better. It's (laughs) self-care, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I'm working more with that and then doing a retreat. Vancouver is so beautiful. Uh, and it itself is a healing place. We have mountains. We have water. We do have kind people. You know, people get off the bus and they say thank you. First, I, my daughter said thank you. I thought, that's strange. And then 20 people will get off the bus and say thank you. So helping people to find the loving things mm-hmm. that exist within our environment. Because it's very easy to talk about all the things that are not working. But at any given time... That might be five percent, and ninety-five percent of things are going well. Mm-hmm. So that and is unacknowledged. Yes. <laughs> and so then, mm-hmm. working with that from both within your personal body, working within your heart, uh, helping to draw that out from people. And so I'm going to write about it, have a retreat about it, and then. Uh, 
if structurally, if people want to know about how to prevent a heart attack, I mm, have the training to teach people right. about that. This is all levels of the heart. <laughs> all I heart. have yeah. the recipes mm, yeah, to help you cook healthy, loving, even to make some heart-shaped cookies that have very little sugar. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so that's really? kind of like heart-centered is where I'm yeah. feeling. Heart-centered work and then applying some specialized knowledge to it, but also working to get a shift. All of us who want to see a better world and have feelings we have the ability to shift from this kind of snipey negative mm. atmosphere, shift it to a more loving place mm-hmm. because we outweigh the negatives. We just have to find mm. ways like your show to bring it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. So, and your your show here at the station right now is um, one of the um, starting places at the station, right? Yes. To get your feet wet and to really find your radio voice and and figure out what you're doing. And so as you're doing that, you're preparing for what you'd like to do the next on D. air. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And what I love about it with Speak Up, um, there are things public, because it's under public affairs, we've been able to speak up about public affairs like the person, let people know about their rights to an person, interview the person, yeah. <laughs> yes. and bring it to radio. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the months, for Black History Month, I did something special. Now it's both Women's Month and Port, uh, Nutrition Month. So oh wow! It's right in your zone. <laughs> oh yeah, we've got having, we've got it covered here. <laughs> having fun with the speak up. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that's really important too, because when I think about the women or people that influenced me with it, when I was a child, mm-hmm. in the work that you do, and when when I'm talking to people uh, on a conference call or when I'm talking to other people, I say, speak to a child this week, sometime this week, mm-hmm. speak to a child like that. so that they can understand something something of your life mm-hmm. that is applicable to theirs. Because research has said that the um, the generation that's under the millennials. Mm. I don't know what name they gave to that generation. Gen X or Y or Z. <laughs> no, or later than the millennials. Yeah. E, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that they are very much uh, trusting of, mm. of, of, of uh, seniors, the baby boomers, mm-hmm. that they like learning things. They'll take more time sometimes to listen to them. They'll mm-hmm. encourage their ideas. And so I think we could take advantage of that by volunteering at libraries, at boys and girls clubs, mm-hmm. at schools, mm-hmm. because we do have something that can be passed on from a time that was more loving and kind Mm -hmm. to make the next time be Mm -hmm. more loving and kind. Yeah. I like that vision. Yeah. What a great call to action. And heart-centered. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) I did share forward through our Twitter. God, I feel so old sometimes. (laughs) Twitter feed. Uh, The link to your heart balm. Book. Oh, okay. Because again, we're talking about hearts here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit more about that book? Yes, Heart Bomb. Pillars to Pillars was written, as I said, sequentially. It went from anger over to love. Mm-hmm. And Heart Bomb doesn't have, you could read the 12th chapter first or the first chapter first. Mm-hmm. But it started with the idea of from my heart. There is this balm. There is something that can be a gift to you, and it can also be a gift to others. So Mm. the book is written so that there are some poems. It was around a poem called Just For You. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and have asked, has anyone ever written anything for you? Mm-hmm. So that I have some examples of poems that I've written for people. And then there's, uh, after it, some activities that people do within the chapter to help them write a poem. For oh, somebody nice. else. So it's a teaching tool as well. Yes. And then uh, a personal development tool. Mm-hmm. And then there's one that says, this poem is just for you. It's for you for, with cheer right here across the miles. So I have some examples of poems that I wrote either to myself to cheer myself up or that I wrote to someone to cheer them up. Mm-hmm. And then there's some examples at the end. And then the very last chapter was the hardest one to write because it was for bliss that never goes amiss. (laughs) (laughs) And bliss is such a airy fairy, you know, (laughs) kind of sensation. Because most of the time when they talk about bliss, they're talking about the sexual bliss. Mm. But bliss, uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith, who is a a leading spiritual teacher and thought leader, I had an opportunity to talk with him about bliss, and he said, bliss is being in integrity with your soul. And that's so simple. Oh, I love it. In integrity with your soul Mm -hmm. and so your feelings. So then I was able to write some poems about bliss and even talk with other people about bliss Mm -hmm. and make them feel (laughs) blissful with it. I love it. So that book was really written from, um, there is one that called, um, if you pay, uh, pounding the pavement uh-huh. because we get sent back to square one. So it it has each of those different elements in it and it's from my heart to the reader's heart and people are loving it. I've done it in different places. We mm-hmm. are rapidly running out of time. I want to make sure that people know how to find you if yes. they would like to get in touch with you. Okay. In my by email, you could write me. I am the results doctor, so you could write R E S U L T S D R results D R at gmail dot com. Uh, you could phone me in Vancouver at seven seven eight five one two zero six six four, or in anywhere in America with the three ten number three ten five six two six eight eight nine, and I am. I'm working on a creative arts retreat that's going to be here in Vancouver in October. So if you want to get information about that, you can email me. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this month, I'm doing a women's, um, <laughs> I was going to say women's history, women's history month in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be in a Methodist church. And it's on my Facebook page. Fantastic. Uh, and you've got a website too, right? Yes. CharlotteFarrell.com. All right. And that's spelled, Farrell is uh, two R's, two L's. Yes, F-E-R-R-E-L-L. And we are pretty much out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was delightful. a treat to have you in the studio. Thank you. I really enjoyed my time with you. Thank you for it. Yeah. And to all the women listening out there, happy International Women's Day. You matter. You are awesome. You are important. Thank you for continuing on in all the ways that you do. And until next time. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, 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 oh. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo